The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How often do you wake up in the morning and wonder what the main reason is that buying decisions tend to stall? And then you have to think to yourself, how can we get buyers to move forward and speed up the process? How can we reduce their skepticism and enhance their trust? To answer those questions, Jeremy Miner. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, Joel. It's a pleasure to uh, be on your show and looking forward to see how I can help your listeners improve their sales ability so they can sell more of their products, their services, help more people solve their problems, and just really all in all, um, move people forward for sure. 100%. Well, there you go. So, so listen, I mean, so first of all, there's a lot yeah. of guys, probably of, of all the disciplines, uh, you know, next to leadership, selling is probably the one that has more guys telling people what to do than other people. So what, what is, what's unique or different? What, what, what do you bring to the table is different than other guys? What's your perspective? Just so we can kind of get a little, little benchmark. What's my perspective about sales? Yeah. What's, what's different about your perspective? Like what, what is your angle? Well, I would, I mean, I would say, I mean, I think everybody could say what's different about them that comes from their point, but I would say what our clients tell us would probably be the best way for me to approach that. So one thing I think would be really good for your listeners, and this comes from really my background in behavioral science and human psychology, is to write down these three things. So according to behavioral science, there are three forms of communication, okay? And once your listeners understand the differences of where they are now in their sales ability compared to where they actually could be, it will completely change everything for them. So number one, you want to write this down. We are the least persuasive. So we're the least persuasive, okay? When we tell people things or we attempt to dominate them or posture them or push them into doing something that we want them to do, okay? That's called era one type of sales. Era, E-R-A, is pretty much known as boiler room selling. Have you ever watched like, uh, Joe, you watched like the movie Wolf on Wall Street, like, hey, I got a great <laughs> opportunity for you, you know? And then we we talk about the features and the benefits of and uh, why they should go with us. And we've got the latest, greatest deal. And let me talk to my manager. And, you know, we talk down to our competitors. And just like if you tell your spouse that they really need to do something for you and then you push them to do it, what do they typically do back? They push back, right? That's human behavior 101. So let me give you a few examples of the least persuasive way to sell. And that will kind of 
tailored into what we do a little bit differently. That might be yeah, a more yeah, appropriate. Perfect. So rule number one, presenting. We're all taught that you have to give an amazing presentation. We have to show them how great our services and products are. We've got the best this, we've got the best that, which by the way, doesn't every salesperson's ever sold anything say that they have the number one product or service. How many salespeople that go out there and sell every day to you, Joel, say, well, you know, our product's about fifth best in the market. Nobody, they all say they're the best, right? So when we say things like that, when we say things like that, your prospects psychologically actually trust you less. And when you talk down your competition, they trust you even less because they're used to every salesperson saying the same thing. According to the data, it's not very persuasive if your presentation is more than 10% of that entire sales process, okay? What about telling your story? I hate to tell you, if you're selling one-on-one, nobody cares about your story. Whose story do they most care about? They care about their own story. About their story, right? What about giving a sales pitch? That's right. We've all been taught you have to give an amazing pitch. But according to the science behind it, very low in the persuasion pole. Like if you ever watched uh, like Shark Tank, right? You watch Shark Tank, you watch the, you know, the would-be entrepreneurs come out and they pitch uh, Damon John and Mark Cuban and, and Barbara and they go out and pitch and watch the facial expressions of the sharks when they're being pitched, right? It turns them off. What about assuming the sale? According to the data, very low on the persuasion pole, especially if you're in a more complex selling environment that requires multiple calls and touches. Are you still with me? It looks like you've frozen on here. No, Joel. no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with Joel you. It looks like you froze. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to turn the video off, but I'm totally, uh, totally with you. Okay. Okay. So I, I can hear you. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, All right. You froze to there. I'm like, what's going on there? Yeah, no, no. I, I heard everything that you said. We'll, we'll have to edit out this little okay, part here, can... but, uh, but I heard everything you said. So just, uh, I, and I was getting a little flash saying something was, unstable, but, uh, but I heard everything. So, okay. So that's that. a first form of persuasion. Okay. So that's a form of persuasion. Can you hear me? Okay. Now? Yes. Can you hear me yes. now? Okay. Just making sure. So that's the first form of persuasion. Now, the second form of persuasion is called consultative selling. That's era ERA two type of sales. Okay. We're the more, we're more persuasive when we attempt to have a discussion. Okay, consultative selling came out in the early 80s with books like Spin Selling, where they taught that you needed to ask logical-based questions to find out the needs of the client, which was revolutionary back in the 80s, right? Which is crazy for me to think about now. But what's a potential downfall when you're only asking logical-based questions? We call those surface-level questions. Well, when you ask surface-level questions, your prospect is going to give you logical-based answers in return. They're never going to go deep. And do human beings buy on logic or emotion? Well, we all know brain studies show it's 100% motion, and they just justify with logic. So let me give you a few examples of consultative questions that would trigger sales resistance. And you never want to use these unless you don't want to make a lot of money in sales in your profession. These are very surface-level. We never want to ask this question. Uh, So, John, uh, what's keeping you awake at night? Do you still ask that question? Or can you tell me uh, two problems that you're having the most right now, Sandra? Or who besides you would be involved in this decision? Boring. Or what are you looking for in a solution, uh, Sandra? Or what sort of budget do you have set aside? Okay. We have to understand this is more persuasive than boiler room selling, putting sales pressure on them, assuming the sale 
but you're still playing the numbers game because very little emotion is brought out by simply asking logical-based surface-level questions. Now, third mode of communication, which is called dialogue, that's era three type of sales, write this down. We are the most persuasive. So we're the most persuasive when we allow others to persuade themselves. Now that's called dialogue. When we ask, here's the differentiator, what are called neuro-emotional persuasion questions. Neuro-emotional persuasion questions. That stands for N-E-P-Q. Now, the key is here. We have to learn certain questions and techniques that work with human behavior rather than against it, that get the prospect to pull us in rather than us trying to push them forward. Now, that's the question. How do we get someone to persuade themselves? Do we just show up and tell the prospect, uh, by the way, uh, you have permission to persuade yourself and uh, you know, write out the check or here's the bank wire details? Of course not. We have to learn specific skilled questions, when and how to ask those questions in a step-by-step -step structure that gets your prospect to sell themselves rather than you trying to do it. So to answer your question, that's what we train, neuro-emotional persuasion question. That's our methodology that I came from in my career from behavioral science and human psychology when I first got into my sales career as a broke, burned out 21-year-old college student, Joel. Yeah, that, that, that was, Makes uh, sense. I think that that is quite fascinating. And uh, I mean, and, and, and actually surprising. I didn't expect you to go there. That was kind of a cool thing. So, um, so let's talk about this level three thing, because, you know, I, I think I spent a lot of time at level two. Uh, I, I think, I think none of us spend any time at level one. I mean, that's, that's very passe. It's very 1980s. It's very movie style scripted, you know, and we kind of make a joke about it, but a lot of us really do believe in level two. Okay. But I also know that there are people who are really good at creating more emotion than other people. And so, uh, you know, what are some of the things that happen at level three that don't happen at level two? Yeah. Well, I, well, let me, let me, let me, let me go over what, what, let me give you a background of kind of what I mean by that. I think, I think that leads into, cause you asked me that question in the very beginning, like what's one of the biggest reasons why buying decisions stall in the marketplace right now. So I think that's a good way to segment into answering this question for you. So I'm probably answered two questions in one question, buying decisions or getting from level two to level three only stall because your sales teams, if you're a business owner, or if you are an individual sales professional, are still using techniques that work against human behavior that actually trigger sales resistance. And here's the biggest thing we have to understand. People ask me at events that I train at all the time, Jeremy, if you could describe selling in one word, what would that one word be? And here's the word, write this down. All selling is, is change. All sales is about one thing only. It's all about change. It's about how good you are at helping your prospect view in their mind that by changing their situation, that means by paying for your product or service, that that is far less riskier for them than then doing nothing at all, staying in the status quo, their problems stay the same and nothing ever changes for them. Like, which is more risky? So whether your prospect wants something better or they're trying to get away from that pain, that's just what humans do. It's all about change. Now, here's your problem though, that you have to understand with human behavior. Human beings do not like change. So sales is all about change. 
But human beings do not like change, even though most of them say they do, because it makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel, uh, you, you know, maybe unsettled, especially when it's being pushed on us by a pushy salesperson who's ready to pitch their products or services within the first 30 seconds of neediness. You see, human behavior shows that we value something that is familiar to us, something that maybe is uh, consistent, even if we don't like it over something that is maybe newer to us or unknown to us or foreign to us, okay? One thing we have to understand is that we're not selling the actual product or service, okay? We always say, in my mind, we're not selling the thing. You're not selling the thing. You're selling the results of what that thing does for them, like what problem it actually solves to get them where they want to go. So what you want to do is, uh, I'll give you a few examples here. You want to ask what are called consequence questions. Now, this is just part of the process. I'm not you know, going to give you A to Z because we don't have time to do that on the call. The consequence questions comes toward the end of that first maybe discovery call. So if you're in a more of a complex selling environment and it takes you know, two or three months or four or five or six different meetings or calls, that first call with that first decision maker or C-level executive you're on with, you really have to bring out consequences in their mind of what's going to happen if they don't do anything about solving the problem. Now you can't tell them you have, cause that's just going to go in one ear at the other. You want to ask what are called consequence questions that allow them to see what the future will look like if they don't do anything about solving these problems. Okay. We, if they don't do anything about solving the problem to get what we call, you know, to get to where they want to be, we call that their objective state. All right. So let's, I'll give you an example. Cause I was just working on the script like 10 minutes before I got on with you. Let's say that you're a company and you sell, uh, let's say lead services to other companies who want maybe better leads or better marketing or something like that. Okay. So a, gen a generic version of that, I might say something like this. Now, this is not at the beginning of the call. You can't say this like in the first two minutes, it wouldn't make any sense, but towards the end of that first call, you might say something like this. So, oh, oh okay. So, but John, hold on here. Like, what if you don't do anything about this though? And you keep getting these lower quality leads to your sales teams and your sales keep stagnating the next three, six, or even 12 months from now. Like what happens then? Or here's a generic version. Okay. What are the possible ramifications if your company doesn't do anything about solving this though? See what I'm, so what I'm doing, Joel, is I'm challenging their way of thinking that's allowed their problem or situation to keep happening, which creates urgency in their mind for, to, for them to defend themselves on why they need to change their situation and they need to do that now. That builds urgency in the sale for that sales process to continue. Make sense? Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Do you think uh, do you think most companies really don't do this or, you know, do you think that they do it poorly? Where, where, is, is it they don't do it at all or is it they don't do it well enough? Or, or, I, I what, think what most do companies think? do not do it. They don't do it. So it's not part of their training. They don't teach their people how to do this sort of thing. I think it's a mixture of all of that, Joel. Like we, we have several. I think most people don't know what they don't know. I mean, that's the biggest caveat. Like, you don't know what you don't know. How do you fix a problem you don't know is even a problem in the first place, right? Like, one of our largest clients is Google AdWords, okay? We trained four of their divisions. When we came in, I mean, they're doing billions of dollars in revenue. 
in their entire company. We're training for their divisions that are doing hundreds of millions of dollars. When we came to them, okay, they didn't have any of that in place. They had us listen to their calls and do an audit. Okay. And I love you. If anybody from Google is listening to this, okay, I'm not, not saying anything bad, but they didn't do any of this. They thought that they could just get on there. And because they had a great name or a great service or a great product that people would just magically want to buy from them. We call that product pushing. Okay. So they didn't have any of those type of questions that challenge people. They would just ask consultative, surface level, logical based questions, and then hope and pray at the end when they use the closing techniques, do you want the red one or the blue one? Or when do you want to get started tomorrow or the next day that somehow the buyer would just magically want to buy? And we call that hopium. It's a drug that so many salespeople are taking where they just hope and pray that something <laughs> they're going to say is magically going to trigger that prospect to be interested and buy from them. And it's such an unpredictable way to make a living as a sales professional. Yeah. You know, this, this is, uh, this, uh, first of all, I, I love the hopium thing. That's, uh, that's pretty You cool. with me? You know, I think that that's what, that works good. But um, do you find, how do you tell companies not to, uh, you know, when, when they're going to the ask hopium drug? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do you how do you help these companies to to ask questions in ways that don't sound formulaic or scripted? I mean, do these people have to really practice in order to ask questions that sound genuine and, and like they're really in the middle of a conversation? Like the question just came to them like on a moment's notice. Of course, they have to practice if you want to be any good. I mean, that's it's like it's like it would be like you're a Hollywood actor, actress, and you're auditioning for a part and you go in and you don't have your lines memorized and you just wing it like you're not going to get the part. So as a sales professional, you have to memorize the right questions, not just any question. You know, one of one of the things I love to quote from is from Michael Jordan in his new biography. And he says, look, if you want to be great at basketball, if you want to be great at anything, like if you want to be an NBA player. You can take a thousand jump shots a day, but if your technique is wrong, if you're shooting the jump shot the wrong way, you're not going to be very good at basketball. You have to have the right techniques. And so what I find is that so many companies and salespeople are still using techniques that have been around since the stone ages of selling when today's buyer is far more skeptical, far more cautious, far more educated on the buying process than they have ever been before because of the power of the internet and social media. So we have to learn more advanced skills, more advanced questions. We have to memorize those questions and we have to practice them and role play them so we don't sound like a scripted telemarketer on the phone. If we sound unnatural in our conversations, guess what prospects do? They immediately shut down and they don't tell you the truth of what's really going on because they feel like your questions are there just to get them to say what you want them to say and they emotionally shut down. And we all know if a prospect emotionally shuts down, what are they going to say at the end? Sounds good. Uh, I need to think it over. Uh, we need to keep looking around for different quotes. We're getting you know, bids from other companies and you're just playing this chasing game. I call it unpaid consulting when you don't have to be. So you want to learn the right questions. You want to role play them until they become 
natural that they become who you are as a person, your you know, wife or spouse, whoever you're married to could hit you in the freaking chest and say, list off three consequence questions you're going to ask tomorrow on that car. List off three problem awareness questions to help them find out what their real problems are and, and how the problems are affecting them. Or, you know, list off three connecting questions to take the focus off you and put it on them. And you know them verbatim and you know what you sound natural with them. So if you want to make a lot of money in sales, if you're a business owner and you want your company to scale big time, you have to memorize the questions. You have to practice them over and over and over. You know, a good friend of mine, Bradley, you know, owns a training company, uh, like a software training company. And he always says this, is training something you did or is training something you do? My friends, if you want to be the best at sales, if you want to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in commissions or more, training is something you do on a daily basis. Otherwise, you're just going to not be very good at sales. And if you're going to work 40 to 50 hours why a week, why not be really good at sale, selling in those 40 to 50 hours? That's my thought. Yes, and Makes sense? I'm, I'm, to, I'm totally with you. I, I think this is... Uh... This is very sage advice, and and it's uh, probably like not. Joe. It's not coming through. Can you hear me? No, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, you're all good. right. Um, uh, hang on one second. So this this is really this is sage advice, and I, I would say, in my experience, uh, most salespeople probably aren't. Uh, doing exactly what you're saying, but let's talk about the managers. Let's talk about the people who manage these salespeople. Is it uh, is it on the salespeople? Or you think a lot of this is on the managers that they're not pushing them through the right kind of training, and they're not getting them, uh, you know, to practice enough. I think it's both. I, I think it's both. You know, one thing that when when we train companies how to interview to find the right salespeople for organization, you know what the first question we ask them to ask their salespeople that they're that are potential interviews, we ask them, how much money did you personally spend in the last 12 months on learning more advanced skills so you could sell more of your products and services of the companies you work for. And if they say, well, the company hired some guy that came in for three days, it was really good, or I bought one book for $30, we tell them, don't accept that person because they're not that serious about their sales profession. They're just not a serious person. You want somebody that's like, hey, I'm out here, I'm spending like hundreds of dollars a year. I'm spending thousands of dollars a year on my education because I want to sell more of whatever I'm selling for the companies I represent because I want to make more money. That's the person you want to hire because even if they don't have the right skills yet, maybe they've learned from somebody that's just wackadoodle that's not going to help them that much. At least it's that commitment in their mind that they want to improve, that they're continually learning so they can make more sales. That is the person that you want to hire. If they're not spending any money on learning advanced skills, they are not a person that is that serious about, it, about being a professional salesperson at all, 100%. So you got to be careful when you, you've got to ask those type of questions to your candidates. So I think it's a lot on the salespeople, but it's also on sales management. And it's also on the business owners, because like I said, you don't know what you don't know. So maybe you think these skills that you were taught 30 years ago or 40 years ago when you were in sales, you're the CEO now, let's say you haven't been on the phones for 20 years, that somehow they're just going to magically work on the information age buyer. And that's the problem. See, we don't know what we don't know. You know, that uh, that, that bears repeating because um, 
It, it absolutely, to me, is true. One of the big problems is that uh, executives of companies are thinking about what it was like when they were young, and the world has changed, and maybe they're not keeping up with the world the way that it uh, the way that it works. So, so that's number one. Number two, uh, I want to ask you: Is there any metric that you're aware of that companies can use that say that uh, if you invest in sales training, you should get X percent or X times uh, return? Uh, you know, is there anything you've ever seen that that says something like that? Uh, I, I've seen studies on that, that, um, you know, that, that, um, you know, experts have done. I don't know how realistic they are because I've, I've never done the studies myself, but I have seen studies done by Forbes and other media outlets that show a direct relationship to salespeople investing in more scale level are going to produce more. I mean, it's, it just makes common sense. Like if you're a CEO and you want to learn how to run your business better, the more you invest in that education, well, the more skills you learn to scale your company. And the less you invest in that, the less you're going to scale the company. If you're a marketing director and the more you invest in learning new things on social media, the more marketing leads you're going to bring in. It has a direct correlation. But I see so many salespeople clock in, clock out, they go home, they might grab two books a year and, and you know, how to win friends and influence people that was written in 1936. It's a great book, but it's not going to help you sell to clients in 2021. I mean, these, you know, it's great, great motivation, but I'm going to tell you all the motivational books you're reading in the world, you know, that you meditate and you've, you've got to have a great mindset. All that goes out the door. When your prospect answers the phone and says hello, if you don't know the right questions to ask at the right time in that conversation, they're just going to go into fight or flight mode and get you off the phone. So none of that really matters. You have to understand the right questions to ask. You have to know how you're coming across on that call. You know, I think one of the biggest um, the biggest things that that salespeople really suffer from is they, like I said, it goes back to this. They think they have this great product or service. So if they're excited about it when they're on the phone and they show their enthusiasm that somehow magically the prospect on the other end is just going to be excited and want to buy. Nothing could be further from the truth, folks. It's just not the way it is. Okay. And people always say like, Oh my gosh, Jeremy, like I have to be, I'm excited about what I sell. And I, and I'm, I, I you should be excited about what you sell, but you have to keep that excitement to yourself. You have to keep that internal. You have to get rid of the commission breath. One thing that I, I think a lot of people don't understand, this comes from my background in behavioral science. I'm kind of a, a geek about it. Okay. Within the first seven to 12 seconds of any sales call you're on or any sales interaction you're on, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's in a home, whether it's in an office, it does, whether it's on a doorstep, I mean, it doesn't matter. Your prospects subconsciously, they can't even help it are picking up on your verbal and nonverbal cues from your tonality, your body language, and what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react in one of two ways, okay? If you come across aggressive, if you come across needy, like you're nervous and needy, and you come across attached, that's the keyword, attached, you don't know the right questions to ask, it triggers the human brain to automatically go into what we call fight or flight mode, where they try to get rid of you. And they say things like, uh, yeah, I'm too busy right now. Can you call me back next week? Or, you know what? We're not interested. We don't need it. We already have that. We're already using that. We don't have enough money for that. I'm good. Can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? Right now, if you come across on your calls, neutral, like you're not quite sure if you can help yet because you don't know. 
You don't even know anything about him before that call, okay? You come across more calm, relaxed, and especially you come across detached. That's the key word, detached. You know the right questions to ask. It triggers the human brain to become curious enough that they feel like they want to engage, that they want to open up to you as you might have something that's very important for them. So we have to learn how to become detached from the expectations of making the sale and instead focus on whether there's even a sale to be made, whether or not that person or company have problems that we can actually solve. Now, do I mean when you get on a call or a, a, a meeting that you shouldn't make the sale? Well, well, heck no, okay? Your goal is to make a sale on each appointment or call, but you have to keep that to yourself. The moment your prospect feels like they're being sold to is the moment they emotionally start to shut down. Got it? Yep, absolutely. absolutely. This, this is... Listen, this is really, uh, this is awesome material. And, and I'll tell you what, um, I don't care how seasoned you are. Everybody could use a refresher. Everybody could uh, could use to go to the next level if they're not here yet. Um, I love this material. And, you know, one of the things that uh, we talk about on this show is the idea of the inside track, the best, smartest, and fastest way to get things done. And and you've delivered on the promise. You know, you're, you're what we call an advantage player. Uh, you know, you're able to predict what's coming next because that's... Uh, you just seem to have that sixth sense about your world. And that's, uh, that's kind of the highest, uh, highest compliment that we pay our guests. So uh, I, I appreciate you sharing. Oh, with you're us too nice. And you're nice. Hey, well, you know what? That's, that's how we look at this. We look at, uh, we look for the inside track and we talk to advantage players and that's, uh, that's what it is. So thanks very much for, uh, for being with us. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing with us. Yeah. Yeah. And Joel, if, if your if your listeners want to learn more about those questions, if they want some free resources on that, a good place for them to go to. We have a free Facebook group that we have uh, like 12 to 13,000 people in there. We just started about six months ago. It's rapidly growing. Um, they can go to www.salesrevolution.group. So they go to www.salesrevolution.group. Right when they join that Facebook group, there'll be like a little survey that'll ask them like two questions, what industry they're in, what type of products or services they sell. So we kind of know who's coming into our group. We have all sorts of industries in there. Right when they join, go ahead and look in your messenger. Somebody on my team will tag you and will tag you a free training, a free resource called the NEPQ mini course, where we give you a list of those questions broken down from connecting phase of the first part of your call, all the way down to finding what questions do you ask to find out what their real problems are, problem awareness, all the way down to consequence questions. I gave you a little example, all the way to asking what we call commitment questions, not closing, commitment questions that get them to commit to take the next step. Give that to you for free. We even message you a free training on objection prevention when you join the group. So I just have them best place to learn more about what we do is just have them go to salesrevolution.group. And um, we go live in there about three or four times a week with different Q and A's and trainings. And it's a lot of fun. Hey, well, listen, uh, certainly you're the man. I, I appreciate what you shared with us and uh, we'll look forward to uh, staying in touch. You've been listening to profit from the inside with Joel block for more insights and to learn more visit joelblock.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.